Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to week six of the Monday Night Wars. This week, we watched the October 9th, 1995 WWE Raw and WCW Nitro. I'm your host, Trevor the Pasta Maniac Shelby, and joining me all the way from Parts Unknown is my co-host, Mr. Thomas. Thank you. Oh, I think. How you, how's I your week been, I Trevor? Oh, I think I think you did too. I, you know, I've had a fairly good week. Um, I've got my MRI scheduled uh, for my leg, and uh, so I'm quite excited. Awesome, about me as you broke it twice in a week. No, well, I hope not. But I and we should point out that this is take two of our recording. Yeah, Thomas, because had a you horrible you you. Your computer died. Yeah, it was it was tired of listening to your crap. So whatever. <laughs> so uh, yes, this is actually take two for us, which is a little off putting, but we're not going to let that slow us down. We went straight afterwards. We're like, we're going to fix this, so we decided to record right away. So now it's the next day, <laughs> and uh-huh. so. So currently we have, well, I have WCW has three points and WWE has two points. So I have basically WCW has won three shows and WWE's only won two. You have WCW's won one and a half show, WWE's won two and a half shows, and the dog show won the first show. So pretty good there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the dog show. Anything that 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 is going to preempt the WWE will probably beat WCW as long as you know McMichaels is still on the mic. Well, I think you have some time waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, and as I found out last night, I'm going to be pissed off most of this time. Yes, you are. But, but, you know, you got something to look forward to at least. So, something I wanted to start doing is uh, bringing up the, what the rumor mill basically was, you know, at this time frame. And uh, big thank you to Dave Meltzer of the Pro Wrestling Observer, who's been doing this for like 30 years and has kept a wonderful archive uh, so he wrote for this week, actually, uh, WWE had a, or WWF at the time had a big anti WCW meeting where, uh, they basically just hated on WCW. Uh, the Bill Watts, who used to be ahead of WCW now works for WWE. Uh, he pretty much thinks that WCW is going to get either canceled or go under at some point because they can't just keep, you know, blowing money like they have been. Uh, Vince, of course, uh, says that this is, you know, this is actually healthy for the wrestling world at this point, he thinks this. 
and that he doesn't hope they go out of business, but he doesn't like the way that they're doing business, like basically targeting the WWE and uh, trying to undermine them at every you know second. But um, he did notice, he did say that the if if WCW were to go under, the people that he was most interested in was Sting, Brian Pillman, and Harlem Heat. And he also said that at this time, Raw will not be aired live because they're estimating it will cost $150,000 a week to run a live show. And that's what they think WCW is currently spending. So that's... That's a little crazy if they're actually spending that much money. Yeah, especially at that time because, you know, it was money. The, that That's like the equivalent of a half a million an episode almost. Right. right. And this WCW is a big kind of risky adventure at this point. I mean, you know, who's to say that that's actually, you know, paying off at this point? But of course, Ted Turner at the time right. had some of the deepest pockets of anyone. I mean, he was one of the he was one of the richest fifty people in the world. Yeah. At, at this point in time. Yeah, and Vince McMahon actually said that Ted Turner tried to purchase WWE, and Vince wouldn't sell for anything, and that is what he thinks is fueling this fire. Is he's trying to basically undermine just because he's hates Vince McMahon at this point. So, which is kind of funny considering what happens down the line. Yeah. Um, another good rumor. This one I found to be the most interesting out of all of this is, uh, Al Snow has been given a, well, what he was given a gimmick, uh, to debut on raw, uh, as a crow character, kind of like, uh, the movie, the crow. And, but at this time, it looks like they've scrapped that idea for another idea. And I found that very interesting because that's very soon what Sting does. Yeah. That, that's been Sting's character for almost 20 years now. I mean, right. And, and Al Snow, I mean, he's Al Snow. Why do you need a character? Right. I, you know, and what Al Snow debuts as, I love his character. So, you know, he's awesome. And something that I found out was the, I wonder if this had anything to do with Scott Hall, because Scott Hall, I found out, is the person that gave WCW the idea for the, the Crow character for Sting. So it's, you know... It so could that totally that... happened where either he heard of this idea and took the idea to WCW, or he came up with this idea at WWE. They didn't bite it, and so he took it to WCW. I don't know where it goes, but that's that's really interesting. So, so basically, uh, Sting won't become the Crow character until after. Uh, Diesel and him leave WWE. I believe so. I believe that is what I read on the internet. And if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. So, um, also there were some notes about uh, Sabu. Uh, it says, don't expect Sabu to come back to ECW anytime soon, if ever. 
Sabu is working in uh, an NWA show uh, in New Jersey, and it's going to be really close to the ECW show. And Paul Heyman is not interested in bringing Sabu back. Uh, it's as a side note, Sabu hasn't actually signed with WCW and is working there without a contract at this moment. So that's astonishing seeing how much they're pushing him on WCW right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's not, not only on nitro, he's on, he's been on the other shows too. So I didn't, I thought he was on contract with them. Right. He, I mean, he's destroying their talent. They might as well get him under a contract. Yeah. I mean, They've got, he's got, as you'll see later, he's got the crowd saying ECW. I mean, come on. So both uh, WWF and WCW have been confiscating signs from fans at Raw Nitro. And in WCW's case, they've actually handed out pre-made signs to fans. Uh, But the fans brought markers with them, and they just wrote whatever they wanted on the back of the signs. So that's interesting that they're doing a little crowd control. I have heard of this in the past where people's signs have been taken that have either uh, talked about the other show or, you know, made mention of other wrestlers. So that's kind of interesting. And very, yeah, uh, the last bit, well, the, the, uh, the next bit anyways, not really last, uh, Ric Flair, uh, wasn't supposed to be wrestling right now. Uh, he had cataract eye surgery and was told if he wrestles, he could go blind very easily. Uh, but WCW felt that they needed him immediately, and Flair kind of, he was willing to do it, but he wanted more money. Uh, there's no information if he actually got money out of him. But he is wrestling, so <laughs> if he stuck to his guns, then sure enough, he got paid. Yeah, I would. Assume he got a raise. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it's at this point, but before this, he was actually the booker for WCW. So you know he's got to had some pool, you know, with that kind of getting that kind of deal done. Yeah, he's got to have pool, and the fact that he's putting his own vision at risk. You know, he could have gone. It could have ended much worse for him. He could have ended his career, you know, decades before it, it actually happened, which, you know, possibly he should have retired decades before it happened. Yeah. You know, but, and you know, he, he he probably wouldn't be in the in the WWE Hall of Fame. Right. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the last bit here was... Uh, you remember last week they had the whole poll for O.J. Simpson, whether he was guilty or not. Well, they didn't actually, all the charities that they that they mentioned and they donated this money to that they raised, they didn't actually get permission from these charities if they could do this or not and talk about them on air that in connection to O.J. Simpson. So they weren't very happy and WWF had to send apology letters to all the charities involved. So that was that was 
kind of silly. <laughs> kind of silly. Yeah. I mean, it was just a poll to see if they thought he was guilty, but you know, yeah. I, I, it wasn't really connecting to OJ Simpson, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, and he, they got paid. They got some money out of this. I don't see it as that big of a deal, but you know. Somebody apparently thought it was a big deal. Um, well. <laughs> uh, so, we started this week with Raw. Uh, it wasn't a bad Raw, and it actually started out probably the best way you could start Raw at this point in time. They had the six-man tag team match of Yokozuna, Owen Hart, the British Bulldog, Versus The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Diesel. Uh, which, this whole thing, you know, it may be kind of a replay of things that's been going on. But, man, this, they just put on a good show every time they do the six-man tag. So, I I loved every minute of it. And, you know, all hell breaks loose, you know, <laughs> here soon. So, um, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed all this. Uh it it was it was a great match. I mean, it was it was pure it it, it, it was pure evil versus good. Yeah, in my eyes, right? You know, and so well, okay. So we had uh, kind of an odd start. Owen Hart and Shawn Michaels were already wrestling when they came back from commercial break, so I thought that was a little odd. But I don't think we really missed that much. Uh, they had a cool spot where Diesel and The Undertaker did a double kick to Yokozuna and knocked him out of the ring. And then he went over and hit the pole. I thought that was kind, yeah. of, that was kind of funny. He, he just walks into the pole. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, 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 and is dazed. Yeah. I'm just like, and Jim Cornette's like yelling at him. Yeah, he, he's freaking out. And... They uh, at this point, I thought this was going to be a squash match. I really thought that, um, you know, Diesel, Shawn Michaels, and the Undertaker were just going to destroy and and you know end this whole thing. And then randomly, Waylon Mercy shows up and like he's watching the match. He's he's up at the up at the ramp, and the only thing I noted is he just needs a shower. The man looks gross. <laughs> And uh, well, so did Rhino. Yeah, yeah. He, but okay. So he did nothing. He, I don't even think he distracted the wrestlers in the ring. He just no. They just went on a business. Yeah. Okay. So then, uh, the turning point in this match is when Shawn Michaels tries to take on Yokozuna, and that went horrible for Shawn. They took turns just destroying Shawn Michaels. Uh, they did good tags. You know, Yoko would tag in Owen. Owen get the bulldog in. And they would just kind of keep the cycle going. And and they're doing, you know, they're triple teaming Shawn. Yeah. And anytime there's a triple team on any of the, uh, uh, on Yokozuna, uh, Owen, and British Bulldog, <laughs> you know, Jerry Lawler's yelling, they should be disqualified. They're triple teaming them. Oh, you mean, yeah, you I'm mean like, uh, that, 
You you did say Jerry Lawler, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. I thought, for a minute, I thought you meant Jim Ross. Sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna kick you in the nuts. Yeah, you can't kick that eye. Anyways, I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was freaking out the whole time. Which is- and, and here, here Shawn Michaels is. He's you know isolated in their corner. You know, mm-hmm. and he's like. Yeah, get him, get him, yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this isn't biased. No. I thought you were supposed to be a non-biased authority. Right. Well, uh, Dean Douglas uh, came out, just like Waylon Mercy did. Dean Douglas comes out, but he gets a little closer to the ring, and he's taking notes. And uh, Jerry Lawler goes on and on about that, how he's so smart because he's taking notes and all that. That's ridiculous. Um. They, I really don't understand the understand his character. Right. I mean, he's a he's a decent wrestler, but the the whole school thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a it stupid is, character. It's such a stupid yeah. character. It's 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 bad enough. It's it could be career ending if they don't change it soon, because it's not going to get over yeah. the crowd, and it's not like he's a good heel. It's just. It's a bad character. But yeah. So Diesel gets tagged in and the Bulldog, I believe, had just gotten tagged in. And I had noticed, man, Diesel looks huge compared to the Bulldog. I don't know how tall the Bulldog is, but Diesel is a monster compared to him. The Bulldog uh, tried to get him up. He actually did it. He got him up and did a running power slam on Diesel. It looked like he had a little trouble performing the move because, you know, freaking Diesel's so big. Yeah. And uh, then Yokozuna got in a leg drop. Bulldog was able to get the pin. Uh, and that was the the official end to the match. Um, <laughs> but then King Mabel comes down. And he starts attacking The Undertaker. And Mabel and Yokozuna starts double teaming the Undertaker by doing leg drops D- on him. Yeah, just alternating leg drops. Oh, I I, I mean this totally, that's I I, I know that's six hundred pounds worth of wrestlers each, right? You know, until, I I had they done it both at the same time, that'd been twelve hundred pounds on him. <laughs> I noted that this totally redefines the term squash match. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, then Dean Douglas comes down. He starts attacking Shawn Michaels. And so, this is like basically five on three. And it's, you know, gone completely ridiculous. Um, yeah, Diesel's on the on the apron and he's getting beat by, by Bulldog. Right. So, um, if I take this whole storyline in consideration the match in consideration everything going on i loved every minute of this i was on the edge of my seat the whole time i gave this a seven out of ten um yeah i I mean everything i mean the the match completed granted you know they they started it during a commercial break which i i found that WWE does that quite a bit in in this era. Yeah. Um, 
but it, it the the match had an ending and then mass chaos at the end which led to a probably an an impromptu uh showing of a of a SummerSlam match right which which was an awesome match I mean, don't get me wrong but i don't think they were expecting to have to like spend 20 minutes just to get these people out yeah so I, I, I'm giving this a 7.5. Very nice. Yeah, they they had to take their time getting Shawn Michaels and Diesel and The Undertaker out of the ring. So in the meantime, they ran from SummerSlam, Bret Hart versus Dr. Isaac Yankum, the whole match. and Which is relevant because we're going to see part two of that coming up. Uh, later on at the next pay-per-view. So, that's, uh, I, you know, I, I enjoyed watching this match, but solely because it is not, it is not a part of the Monday Night Wars because this happened in the months prior, I don't think we should give this a rating. I agree. It, it was a good match, but I don't think, you know, part of the storyline, it's pretty cool. And it's almost like a pretty awesome kind of a promo almost to the, that kind of uh, solidifies what just happened and gets you more interested in the these two guys' rematch. So, um, so after this match, we have... Uh, Skip and the beautiful Sonny versus Fatu. Mm, Sonny. Yes. Uh, mm. And and Sonny. I was going to say, and Sonny. <laughs> no, and Fatu is Rikishi. I was very, yeah. very pleasantly surprised to see him. I had no clue he wrestled before he was Rikishi. And so that yeah, was a I lot mean, of fun. He- Rakishi's actually had a few names before he became Rakishi, and he's had a few after he left WWE. You know, he, he became Kishi, then he became... Yeah. Uh, I think he went back to Fatu for a little bit. Right. Well, and he was very much himself, I think, in the ring uh, for this episode, because he, he did a lot of dancing. Um, he was a char- His character, I guess, is just... He has a hard head. I guess that's like the the big thing about it is he has a hard head. And so Skip kept trying to injure his head. And and every time he would like slam his head into the turnbuckle and uh Fatu would just like smile and he'd start dancing. And it's like what the hell? Um you know, and you kind of wonder what Skip is thinking because he, he still Throughout the match, he tries to do some elbows to his head, and even Vince McMahon, who's supposed to be non-biased, is down there going, Skip's an idiot! <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 he was. I mean, he he he, he went for the head, yeah. and he's not being phased. Go, go to the body, go to the body, you know? So. Right. Well... So, but I do enjoy the fact that they did spend most of the time on Sonny. So I'm, yeah, that a lot of this match was Sonny, which was great. 
Um, yeah. Loved every minute of that. So we had, um, at one point, Skip even tried to jump off the top ropes and do a, a flying headbutt. Uh, that didn't work out very well for him. It was kind of funny because he instantly grabs his head and he's bobbing around on the on the on the mat. And you know, Fatu just kind of sits up, smiling, not even phased. So, um, you know, uh, see, Fatu won this with a splash from the top rope. You know, this this being the main event because this was the last match of the night. I was a little, I was a little disappointed because it wasn't, you know, something bigger, but it is nice that these guys were able to get some airtime because most of the show was just eaten up by what happened in the beginning. So um, (laughs) I went ahead and gave this a 5.5 out of 10. I think it would have gotten a 4.5 if Sonny didn't come out uh, since it had Sonny got a 5.5. Now I'm, I'm going to go, um, I'm good. You know, this is the rating I gave yesterday. I'm not sure if the rating I gave the first match is the same as I gave yesterday when we recorded, mm-hmm. but this is the same rating that I, that I gave yesterday. I'm giving them a four, even though Sonny's out there. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. Okay. But, but I, I'm disappointed that stink, that he didn't stink, but him. you know, <laughs> like I said things. yesterday, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, you know, I know it's Rakishi's move set, but Fatu is Rakishi, yeah. so he can make those move sets any way he wants. <laughs> you know, and granted, his ass isn't, you know, Rakishi big at this point. Yeah, he's, um, he's but a lot but but still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he was just a family man at this point, trying to trying to make ends meet. And uh, yeah, Jimmy and Jay, they, they, they were 10, you know, they understand. Yeah, but that's kind of, that'd be kind of traumatic for some kids seeing their dad doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I know I would have been traumatized. (laughs) So Uh, if he would have brought that and brought that out sooner, I think, you know, Jimmy and Jay would have been fine, and they would have actually debuted sooner. Yeah, I think you know, but oh well, well. Uh, after this match, we had um, we had uh, they were they were going to do an interview with Shawn Michaels, Diesel, and the Undertaker, but the commentator didn't want to go in. He didn't want to go in the room. And it was uh, Michael Hayes, I think is his name. He used to be, I think, part of the Freebirds. And he, but he was not going to go in there because he, uh, he, he just left their locker room and they were not doing well at all. They're, they're all hurt. They're all pissed off and they're not, want, they don't want to do an interview. So then they cut to JR, who just like burst into the, uh, the heel locker room and he's confronting uh, Jim Cornette and the British Bulldog and you know Cornette does what he does best he cuts a fabulous promo he does a lot of trash talking and you know if 
I, I, I got to where I was wondering how good of a wrestler would have Cornette been if he was in wrestling shape? Because, man, he could talk the talk. Yeah, I mean, he he does have my microphone chops. Yeah. I mean, but he's always been a manager. Yeah. Well, and so the Bulldog, he cut a pretty decent promo himself on Diesel. And then randomly, <laughs> Mabel, King Mabel comes in. And uh, he's, like, calling uh, the Bulldog his brother or whatever. And uh, then he says he's going to bury The Undertaker, which is all fine and dandy. I, 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 I'm I, very interested in the King Mabel and Undertaker match. So. That, yeah, that, that'd be a definite big guy match. Yeah. So. This week, we had the Jerry Lawler quote of the week. and Thanks to me. Yes, thanks to you. Uh, I didn't hear this at all, and you had to go back and rewatch it before we first recorded the show. And Because I forgot. It took you so long to watch yeah. <laughs> the, the, the shows yeah. that I forgot, and I told you to listen for, some, yeah, for listened, something Jerry Lawler I, says at the beginning of the match. I think you lied to me, because I was listening, and I couldn't hear it anywhere. So, anyways, uh-huh. he uh, he was talking in in reference to HBK, Diesel, and the Undertaker, um, who are all Americans. It, I guess if we're saying parts unknown as part of America, and he says that you know the foreigners, um, he goes Columbus wouldn't have discovered America if he saw this happen. Because at this point, Diesel, HBK, and The Undertaker were, were beating up the British Bulldog, Owen Hart, and Yokozuna. So I found that pretty funny, even though I didn't hear it. So uh-huh. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a really good. It was it was uh it was hilarious. And we're back. And we're back. I hope you guys enjoyed that commercial break. So, <laughs> so the next show uh, that we watched was WCW Nitro, of course. And the very first notes that I took is no Pepe. Woo-hoo! And the commentary team are all in football jerseys. And I thought it was funny because, you know, uh, Steve has his uh, his football numbers on. We've got Eric Bischoff with the number one on it for, I'm guessing, Nitro's number one. And Bobby the Brain Heenan just has a question mark. And I thought that was great. And they mentioned, they just mentioned, like offhand, Sting is going to come out. And then... You could just blink, and then there he was. <laughs> it was like he was just waiting for it. He just comes out of nowhere. He shows up. Yeah. <laughs> and I was expecting him to fly down from a from a cable like he yeah. you know, like he does later. Yeah. And so he comes, he runs out, and basically says, "Hey, I'm going to solve the problems between Macho Man and the Total Package." So. It'll be interesting, you know, to see how that actually plays out. 
And actually, the first match of the night, which wasn't as stellar as Raw's first match, uh, was Mm -hmm. the Shark versus Sting. And I noted, I'm not really sure if this was for the United States Heavyweight Championship. I know Shark at one point picked it up right before they rang the bell, and he was like, this is going to be mine. But, like, they never said this was a championship match. Not that it mattered. Not that it mattered at all. Okay? (laughs) Don't get your hopes up for a shark running around with that title. Because, man, Sting gets him facing the turnbuckles right away, and he does the Stinger splash on him twice, and every time he'd hit it, he would knock Shark up into the the pole. He had, his head would hit the pole of the the turnbuckle. Yeah. And he comes back, and Sting like quickly gets up on the top ropes, does a crossbody pin off the top rope, and uh, gets the win. I mean, that was the whole match. It took me longer to explain what happened than for it took the match to actually take place. So, well, that's because you're long-winded anyway. Yeah, I am. So. But, <laughs> but I mean, but it was it was kind of cool. It, even though it was a squash match, it it did. I thought that it wasn't, you know, done this tastefully, uh, and it was kind of cool. Oh, no, it was no, kind of no. cool to see the shark get beaten in that way, and I don't think it hurts the shark because. It's freaking Sting. I mean, you know, that's that can yeah. happen. So, um, I I was surprised by it. So I went ahead and gave it a four out of ten. I just because I thought this would have fit better, like in the middle, you know, as a filler. Um, but I know why they stuck it in the beginning um, because. They're, you know, they're doing the the whole promo after this with uh, Macho Man and, uh, and, and Luger. Right. But I, I'm going to give it a three just because of the placement of it. Yeah. And, and the that. fact that and the fact that they they're doing this live and Raw is taped. They have people watching Raw. They know how big of a match started off raw well it kind of makes you wonder if they watched raw and they knew what was going to happen and maybe they just figured i mean let's we can't really top that very well (laughs) i mean besides you know pulling hogan out who's obviously you know a who's injured at this point. I mean, there's not that many big yeah. names they could really pull out the, at this point that would have topped what was going on at Raw. I mean, they, they have DDP waiting in the, in, in the, in, 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 you know, yeah, but waiting in the back. But you, know? you got to remember though, DDP's a heel at this time. Everybody hates him. I don't know. It, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I just felt like there wasn't that much they could have done, but, uh, they did follow it up with a pretty good match. Um, you know, yeah. they did a recap in between. They did this recap of the Hogan attack from last week, 
which I thought was pretty cool because it reminded me of something that happened on uh, current wrestling. Um, actually, the um, at SummerSlam this year, where Bray Wyatt debuted against uh, Finn Balor, and he debuted as the Fiend, and he did the whole neck break, the exact same neck break that you would do that that the Giant did to Hulk Hogan. So, I don't know if that's a callback or if they were just pulling out the Hollywood neck break. But I just thought that was pretty cool that you know uh, both eras they're doing that. Well, I think they're just you know they're I, I think they're they're just reusing ideas because you know as we pointed out before old old finishers are coming back. You know, I mean the fiend is also on top of using uh you know. Sister Abigail, he's also using the mandible claw, yeah. you know, which is, you know, McFoley's finisher. And, you know, the only thing missing is Mr. Sacco. Yeah. You know, well, I, 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 I'm fully expecting McFoley to come out there and give him Mr. Sacco. Yeah. So. And I always, I always liked uh, Ming. He does a move that always reminded me of the mandible claw, except he, he's grabbing underneath the chin and, uh, and, you know, Mick Foley looks like he's, you know, jamming his fingers down your throat, but, um, it, uh, I always liked both, um, both maneuvers. And I always thought Ming's was a little bit more threatening seeming, uh, Mick Foley's is kind of like out of a horror film, uh, the mandible claw. Yeah. But, uh, soon we'll start seeing Ming go, going crazy on people with that move, and it's pretty impressive. But, yeah, so this next match we had was Sabu versus Mr. JL, which I'm 90% sure they they start calling Mr. JF halfway through. I think they forgot his name. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they uh, forgot his name. <laughs> it's Mr. JL. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they didn't care. Yeah. Because I don't think he lasted long. Yeah. And at first, whenever I was watching this match, I was like, is that Rey Mysterio? Like, is that a character of Rey Mysterio's before he became Rey Mysterio? So I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, nope, it wasn't. Yeah. So. And the the crowd was very much behind Sabu. When he came out, he came out to one of the biggest pops we've heard in the Monday Night Wars this, that, yet. And yeah. Um, he started the match out real quick. I, I kind of felt like it's, it was like he was, he had something to prove. I, I feel like he probably knew his last couple of matches were so, so, and he's going to, he's going to pull out a big match this time. Well, that, and you, you're in front of a crowd that's yelling easy dub who knows you, right? You know, yeah. Who knows what you're capable of? Yeah, and the crowd is is just screaming EC Dub, EC Dub, EC Dub. And uh, they uh, at one point they started chanting uh, "Hogan sucks, Hogan sucks," which was hilarious to me. And you know, Sabu pulled out all of his greatest hits. You know, he put the chair up on the outside. He jumped off of it and knocked the guy into the barricade. He uh, yeah. he did several wheel kicks. I think that's like his favorite thing to do. And then uh, he got the camel clutch on a couple times. Um, 
he towards the end of the match he tried to do a hurricane rana off the top rope but mr jl didn't budge at all on the top rope and i think this was kind of flubbed yeah. at this point i think this whole I mean, he, this whole part was botched yeah he he was also he was also very stiff throughout the whole thing yeah well mr so. jl um he jumped from the top ropes and sabu turned it into a little power bomb and then he got the camel clutch back on him for the win. And um, like you had mentioned to me before, it looked like, you know, JL didn't even tap. Like the referee was just like, yeah, this is the finish he right here. And so. Yeah, it was like he got him in the camel clutch and it was like the bell rang. Yeah. And I was like, I, don't, I didn't see him tap. Right. And so uh, that's that kind of reaffirmed to me that I felt like this was a botched finish. Because I think that Hurricane Rana was supposed to go off, and JL just didn't didn't move. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't think that was any anything that Sabu did wrong. I think it was more on JL's fault. Um, I thought this was fun, and it really showed off Sabu really well. Uh, I gave it a six out of ten. Um. I gave it a six as well because it, it really did show how good Sabu is. Um, if he would have had someone better, I, I think it would have bumped it up to maybe a six and a half, maybe a seven. Right. But but yeah, it, it was a good match. Yeah, I feel like if there had not been that botch, it would have been a six point five, maybe seven. But that botch finish, that kind of hurts them. But what I did think was hilarious was they cut to the to the announcers right after the match. And they're trying to get off their point about, you know, the what's going on in the storylines and stuff. And you could hear in the background Sabu continuing to pummel JL. And the whole crowd is going, ooh, ah, you know, they're chanting. Um, it's hilarious. Like, you could hear, like, crashes and bangs back there. And Eric Bischoff even has to pause for a second. And he's like, hey, um, well, let's keep the camera on us because he figures that they're going to cut to them. But it was kind of humorous. I think they should have. Yeah, I think they should have. That would have been a huge... That would have been a huge rating boost right there. Yeah. So, uh, Mean Gene next interviewed Lex and Sting. Uh, they went over the... Uh, they were going to go over this whole how Sting's going to patch things up. And Sting says in order to do this, they need Macho Man. So, like, like he was just waiting. You know, Macho Man comes right out. And, you know, Sting basically puts it together like this you know you both got matches against people that are part of the dungeon of doom at halloween havoc if you guys both win your matches you guys can face each other to see who can go on to face for the world championship and you know macho man seems all for it and then lex is kind of like you know, I'm tired of you putting words in my mouth, and he starts freaking out about well, it. Well, someone has to. You yeah. can't talk. Yeah, and it was almost like Sting had to, like, goad him into talking because he he just wouldn't do it. He wouldn't – it was like he just forgot his lines, and he was like a like a, 
a kid at a play, like just staring off in yeah. the distance. And so, um, so yeah, so he finally decided that he was going to accept this challenge. They're both good if they both win at Halloween Havoc, which I don't see them losing. They are going to go on to face each other, and uh, we will see who gets to go on for the world championship. Which is kind of <laughs> funny because. This is a shot that was promised to Lex in the beginning. Yeah, so, by by Hogan himself. Yeah. So by agreeing to this, Lex is basically throwing this away if he loses. So we will yeah. see. Well, and, and this brings up my 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 th- conspiracy theory I was talking to you about, you know, I was, you know, I I I really think that you know because it was brought up that in any of the attacks, be it the Legion of Doom, you know, oh, the, the Giant, whatever, or Dungeon of Doom, the Giant, or whatever, that they focus on Luger, uh, Savage, and Hogan. Right. Sting hasn't been attacked yet. Not once, and you know, I, I'm my my theory is that there's been some collusion going on, which Randy Savage, you know, he he kind of hints towards possibly Sting, you know, colluding with them. But I think I think Randy is the one who, who who's been colluding. And I think it's going to come out at at that pay per view. Maybe, um, because having. It is it, too on the nose to to have it be Sting. Yeah, I and... think it is too on the nose there. Um, I really think mainly because of his actions, it's Lex. We had that scene where Macho Man's getting destroyed by the giant. Lex comes in and stands over him, and then the giant attacks Lex. So I'm thinking the giant overreacted and I think Lex was, he chose that moment to reveal himself, but he didn't really get to, I, Uh, I I feel like it, I don't know. I feel like there's a double cross happening there. I don't think it's savage. There's some, there's some collusion going on and you know, I, 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 they're just sneaky enough to just flip it on people. Right. You know, and make it savage. Well, the next thing uh, that they showed was a, they started talking about the, their, their most recent, most recent acquisition, which was Chris Benoit. They said they got him from, uh, New Japan, and he they they show a clip of him arriving at WCW headquarters, and he steps out of the limo. He kind of like straightens out his suit, and he goes WCW where the big boys play. <laughs> I thought really that he could have said anything, could have said anything, it would have been better than that. But, anyways. They uh, yeah, <laughs> so there there is the debut uh, 
on-screen appearance of Chris Benoit with WCW there. That's pretty cool. And so after that, uh, we're supposed to have a match with Big Bubba and Road Warrior Hawk, but Disco Inferno, his music starts playing. And just like last week, he has no match. He's just out there to party. And how can you hate a man that just wants to go out and dance? I mean, seriously. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course he's trying. He, he wants the, the whole show to be a dance party. Yeah. well, Because yeah. he's a disco inferno, <laughs> which is probably one of the worst. One of the worst gimmicks, uh, I, you know that that's it's a gimmick in the history of wrestling that that just keeps going. It's like the Energizer Bunny man. So Disco comes out, he's dancing his heart out. Uh, there, Eric Bischoff is getting mad because he's like, "Not this again," you know. Uh, so Big Bubba comes out. His music interrupts the disco fever and. Uh, he he kind of pauses there whenever he comes out and he looks at Disco Inferno and Disco Inferno holds up a boombox and starts blasting his music again and starts dancing away and Big Bubba's like whatever I don't care so he keeps he goes on he starts walking down to the ring and then Road Warrior Hawk comes out and <laughs> He he looks at Disco and he kind of bucks up on him and Disco jumps back. He's a little scared, and uh, and then as Hawk starts walking down the ring, Disco runs over, grabs some kid's hat, and sets it on one of the spikes. So, Which is amazing. Yeah, he doesn't know it's there. Yeah, he doesn't know yeah. it's there until he gets in the ring. And so one thing I noted was I said I hope they give that poor kid his hat back. <laughs> but and autographed it yeah exactly and i was really excited for this match this was big bubba you know the big boss man and road warrior hawk i mean this was gonna be straight out of the 80s this was gonna be a fun match and uh i was i was kind of like all right man this is gonna be fun and the Disco Inferno runs back down to the ring right after they start the match. And he starts dancing on the apron. And Hawk just, like, rips his shirt, starts beating the crap out of him. They start fighting up the ramp. And then Hawk gets counted out. And the match is over. Yeah, that's... It's the biggest disappointment I've seen yet. In the Monday Night Wars, it's not something that that that, that should have been done. You know, they sh that match should have gone right and uh, to to completion. <laughs> but no, 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 it didn't. Yeah, and what's worse you know, about just, this is we're probably going to end up with Hawk versus the Disco Inferno. So, <sighs> anyways, I was quite ticked off at this moment which reflects my score of a one out of ten <laughs> the worst score i've ever given you broke you, you gave the first one ever yeah the first one i was mad man yeah i mean that 
I, I didn't give it a one. I gave it a two. But, you know, it, it was comical. But, That's you know, these two... Le- there wasn't even a match. <laughs> these two legends should have, you know, been able to beat the hell out of each other and finish the dream match yeah. uh, of, of the ages, you know? Well, but we didn't get to see it. So, after they clear the ring, we get the Hulk Hogan interview with Mean Gene Okerlund, and he comes out. Hogan comes out in all black, and this is uh, a cool prelude to things to come. Uh, I guess when Hogan gets mad, he wears black. So, that's kind of the, yeah. the theme here. Even his neck brace is black. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was great. So, he comes down, and Mean Gene, of course, he addresses the crowd reaction, which is people booing, they're chanting Hogan sucks, they're not happy with Hogan at all, and pretty much, they're in ECW's backyard, they are the loudest crowd at this time, and so that's what this is coming to, basically. And so Mean Gene is trying to say that, well, you're, you know, the crowd's not liking this black attire you're wearing. And Hogan pretty much tells him to shut up. He tells, you know, Jimmy Hart not to say anything. He don't want to hear out of the, anything out of him. And, uh, um, so before Hogan can really get into his promo, they you start hearing sirens like like the police sirens like you could hear it in the ring yeah and <laughs> so and then you hear a big engine so the the giant is, has shown up to the arena in a monster truck and he's trying to get in the arena he's being chased by the cops there is apparently some kind of restraining order that the giant can't get into the arena. And so they're trying to stop him. And then Hogan is like, well, if he can't come in here, I'm going to go out to him. And he runs out, I guess, assumed to go fight out there. I don't know. I don't think they ever showed what happened. So. (laughs) No, they didn't actually. They just left it there. Yeah, They left it there. So I can only assume there was a really cool match going on out there. But, or everyone got arrested, I don't know. Um, but, so, then they did the whole promo, which is so ridiculous, of the monster truck versus monster truck, and it'll be Giant versus Hogan at Halloween Havoc. So, I don't even know how they're going to yeah. do this. Are we going to see a monster truck rally first? Uh, a monster truck rally on the roof of the venue. On the roof? That This is ridiculous. That. That's what they said. It's going to be on the roof. That makes no sense. But okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's funny because the promo shows them morphing into monster trucks and then morphing back into yeah. Humans. <laughs> Which I think is kind of interesting because you know, we uh, before we started recording today, I, I was watching this thing about you know, the five most forgettable matches uh, or five forgotten matches of uh, of Goldberg. Uh, 
Yeah. And Goldberg had his own monster truck, too. So I think it's a WCW thing that <laughs> they do monster trucks. I must have pushed that out of my head, man. I could care less because about monster trucks. and I think they're cool. I've never been to a monster truck rally. Yeah. I'd but I think it's cool. Yeah. Now, I, I used to work at a museum, and we had monster trucks at the museum, which was kind yeah. of silly because... The, the idea of seeing monster trucks is going to see them, you know, in action. And in our setting, it was like, hey, you can sit in the cockpit and pretend. And so, but you got to see the big tires and all that stuff. So, you know, it was pretty cool. Um, so I, you know, I've seen monster trucks. I've just never seen them live like that, like an actual rally thing. So. Yeah, I've never seen them like that, so. But the main event of this evening, which is arguably probably one of the best matches, I think, uh, idea-wise, that you can have in this era, is two guys, maybe a little past their prime, but fighting each other for some of the first times. You know, they've they've only they've only faced each other a couple times so far. We have Rick Flair And they're best friends. Yeah, and they're best friends. Rick Flair versus Arn Anderson in a cage. Because of course Arn Anderson keeps cheating and bringing Brian Pillman into the match. So uh they set the cage up when while they're setting the cage up, they go to the announcers and Lo and behold, Pepe, the Chihuahua, shows up on the announce booth. <laughs> and he's wearing a little Bears jersey and has a football helmet on this time. <laughs> so I thought, but I oh, hate that hilarious. Chihuahua. Uh, I hate I Chihuahuas. It, but it's so cute. Uh, <laughs> so then, then, out of nowhere, two cops show up. I was hoping that they were there to arrest Steve McMichael for his horrible commentating skills. But yeah, they, uh, I think they were just kind of updating Eric Bischoff on stuff going on backstage with Hogan. They didn't even address it. Like they, they don't even talk about it on the show. They just like whisper in his ear and they walk off. So <laughs> I have no clue. Maybe he was being served papers or something on air. I don't know, but may, maybe, you know, they took it a little too far, and the giant drove the truck through the gate. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and and, and w, WCW owes them some money. Yeah. Well, okay, so now we've got this this cage match, and it's like an old-school cage match. The cage is like a 10-foot cage. It's chain link. Uh, they've got, you know from what I put, two of the best in their prime 80s wrestlers, you know, the two four horsemen (laughs) sitting in the ring about to fight each other in this cage. So this was like straight out of the 80s match. This is going to be fun. And Two former champions. Yeah. I sat back and I enjoyed every part of this match. It was fun. At one point, Brian Pillman did try to get involved, 
but Ric Flair was able to meet him at the top and top of the cage and knocked him knocked him off and down onto the floor. Uh, at Which, this, if I were Rick, I would have climbed out of the cage by then and just won the match. But yeah, they wanted to beat the hell out of each other. I don't even know if that is a stipulation in WCW. If you escape the cage, you win. That might be just oh, really? a WWE thing. I don't know. I really mm. don't because Flair could have totally done that at that point. But I really think that this had to end by by the uh, um, by a pin or by submission. A pin submission. So. Or the idea of it was there was no like because typically in a cage match there's a door, you know, uh, that they could escape through as well. Uh, but there, this definitely had no door involved. But uh, Arn pulled out some brass knuckles, hit Flair over the head with. Well, I, I, we can't prove that he had brass knuckles. Well, yeah, you can. You could pause it and see him with them. They do the replay. I'm not going to pause it. I'm not going to pause it. I, I'm watching this as it was back in the oh 80s. We didn't have gosh. DVR and we could pause and stuff. They rewound right? it themselves and you can see it. You don't see where he gets it from. Whatever. I don't know if it's that tosses it to him or something. But, uh, which I kind of thought might have been the case. But, um, but no, he, he hits him and then he hides him. And Arn gets the win. Uh, he pins pins Flair, who's of course out, and he gets the win. Out two, cold. Three. Yeah, he's out cold. And so, <laughs> um, the match is over. Match is over. And you know what? I really enjoyed this match. I enjoyed it so much, even with the the crappy ending with the brass knuckles. I feel like. Hang on, they're talking. All right. Sorry, Megan was in here talking. It's okay. Um. So anyways, yeah, I felt like this match, even with the ending, with the brass knuckles, it was fun. It was a lot of, you know, I just enjoyed every minute of it. It was right out of, you know, Ric Flair's own playbook. So I think Ric Flair can only blame himself. So I really only. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really only blame Ric Flair for all this. <laughs> he taught Arnold. Yeah. This. <laughs> so um, I, I enjoyed this thoroughly. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Nice, nice, nice. Now, uh, my rating comes into there, there's a couple factors that 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 I'm taking into account. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the fact that you know I've seen cage matches with those two guys in uh, or you know like highlight reels of them right. in cage matches, and they're just bloody as hell. And none of them, and neither of them are bloody in this. So I know it could have gone, you know, gotten bloody. I guess that's the, you know, just WCW's way right now. Right. Um, so that took it from an eight to a seven. However, I'm going to take into account what happened after Ric Flair came to. Yeah. <laughs> and he runs up to, he charges the, the announcer stage, rips 
the the headset off of the announcer breaks it and starts yelling a promo into the into the headset saying next week i don't care two on one i'll take you both on two on one if i can't find a partner it'll be tag team or two on one depending on if i can find a partner or not you know we're going to end this right here right now yeah well next week so that pushed it to an 8 point or a 7.5 right I I enjoyed that as well. I really liked um, <laughs> Eric Bischoff afterwards holding his yeah. his headset, trying to because it was broken too. It was completely broken. Yeah, and he's like, "Can I get another headset?" <laughs> but you know, they're right at the end of the show, um, so he's just holding it on like, both sides of his head. Like, like seriously, sound guy, can yeah. can, can you get me another one? And I I noted as they were going off the air. You could hear another chant, Hogan sucks, Hogan sucks. So this was a this was a fun WCW, I thought. Um I I really like I really liked all all of it, really. Um, yeah. except for that one match. So yeah. It was it it was what it was, really. Um, it was a great, it was a great match. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually got our very first question, uh, from somebody who listens to the show and it's from Brandon green, uh, on Facebook. He wrote us, he said, have we ever heard of 83 weeks, which is a podcast done by Eric Bischoff? And Which is really weird because the day before this, we saw this comment. We you were discussing it with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about it. In yes, I have heard of it and I know of it. I haven't listened to it. Uh, which I do listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts, but I don't actually listen to that one. And I will, but probably after we finish this series, and I'll tell you why. 83 weeks is all about the the 83 weeks that Eric Bischoff WCW beat WWE in ratings. And it's going to be filled with lots of really cool information, backstage stories and all that, but it's also going to be filled with spoilers as well. And I know it's not hard to to you know, see these it's not hard to run into these spoilers, but I I want to still be surprised at some points, you know. So I I never watched all of these shows, so I would like to be surprised at least here and there. And I feel like if And we, I had never heard of it before Trevor told me about it. Yeah. So so if that that answers your question, yes, we've heard of it, but we haven't watched it. Uh I will watch it though or not I'll listen to it whenever um we're able able to finish the series. So Which is gonna be many years yeah. down the road. <laughs> and maybe Eric Bischoff will finish it by then. Yeah, maybe. So see, currently we have um I have WCW with three points and WWE with two points. You have WCW with one and a half point. 
WWE with two and a half points and the dog show with one point. Mm-hmm. I think this week um, I've kind of gone back and forth. I really enjoyed both shows and I've, I seriously thought about going the 50-50 route like you've done. But mainly because I feel like it was a more complete show. I felt like the storyline is a little bit more grabbing at this moment. Uh, Even though the other show did excellent, I'm going to go ahead and and once again award WCW the point. Um, We'll see. Okay, so... This decision is really hard on me mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I go to WCW and I'm and I'm seeing these great matches with Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, and I see this this tension building between uh, Sting, Luger, and Macho Man. And, you know, that storyline building and the storyline between the Giant and Hogan, I'm like, oh, and I'm just frustrated right now. Right. Because this story, the, the the Macho Man, Sting, Hogan, and Luger has been going on for six weeks already, which is a long time for a storyline to develop. Right. Um, so it, it's just frustrating me at this point. I want to resolve. Um, but it doesn't look like it's going to be resolved anytime soon. So, and then I look at WWE and the fact that, you know, three of their heavy hitters were, uh, preempted what, whatever match was supposed to come afterwards because they had to be carried off of the, uh, out of the ring and they had to re- make repairs and stuff like that to the ring. Mm-hmm. This is a tough decision, and uh, the only thing that that's pushing me over is the fact that Sonny was in the <laughs> ring. So I'm going to go WWE on this one. All right. So currently, so, the score is I have WCW with four points and WWE with two points. You have WCW with one and a half point, WWE with three and a half points, and the Dog Show with one point. Yep. All right. Uh, this week we do not have a Steve Mongo McMichael quote of the week because Steve actually did his job, and which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like a a point for Steve. <laughs> and I mean that I that that you know pushed it almost to a tie. Yeah. That in itself. I was like, and he barely talked. I was like, yes. Yeah. I don't have to put up with him. Even though he did talk about the Bears a lot. Yeah. When he did talk. Well, I did make an addition to the drinking game. And it is in honor of Raw this week. And uh, the one thing I did find kind of annoying. uh, And something that you don't see very often. But I think we will see every once in a while. So, here's the drinking game so far. Uh, the first rule, you take a drink when anyone says, this is where the big boys play. Which was once. Yep. And this week. The second time you take a, or the second rule is anytime Jerry Lawler talks all over a promo. So, 
I don't recall that happening so much, except he talked all over matches about nothing and how yeah. he was at Bret Hart or Owen. But that wasn't a promo. Yeah, that, or, that wasn't a promo. Yeah. So, let's see. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He did. He talked over the, the, the locker room promo. He did at the end. Well. Yeah. Then... See, the third rule is anytime a match ends, but a winner, the winner is attacked immediately after winning, which we almost saw that, but it was actually the losers that were attacked immediately after. So that happened on Raw, but it didn't happen the way it's read in the rules. So that didn't didn't pan out quite. Yeah. So the fourth rule is anytime Vince dances awkwardly in commentary to Shawn Michaels music, which we didn't see this time. No. And anytime Bobby the Brain Heenan puts down Pepe, Steve McMichael's dog, and he just ignored the dog this week. <laughs> I take that as an insult. Yeah. Take a drink. <laughs> yeah that, that that might that might be an insult in itself so the sixth rule i would like to add is you take a drink anytime a match starts during a commercial break oh dude you're gonna hurt people no, i don't think so i don't think so well we'll see And I just put that in to my to my drinking game. So there we go. That was and a fun week. I loved recording this twice. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 you know, trying to remember what I said yesterday was, was not fun for me. Yeah, because I. I have a good memory. I'm an intelligent guy. However, I'm old, and you're making me remember things that I said 24 hours earlier. Yeah. Well, this was so fun. We're only going to do it once. And so I would like to thank you all for joining us this week. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, all those things. You could find our podcast anywhere that podcasts are podcasting. So you can just find us there. So, or tell your friends, you know, this is a show you need to watch or listen to. It's fun. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, <laughs> we will please be watching the Facebook uh, page because now I'm added on as an admin. Thank you very much, Trevor. You're welcome. <sighs> you earned it, buddy. Finally. You earned it. After six weeks, really. <laughs> um and, and um, I've I've got some some posts that I'm going to be making, and I'm thinking about doing a a, a a live feed of us recording. Yeah, that's if I can talk Trevor into doing it. That but would be we'll awesome. See. I would love that. Uh, we've got other ideas in the pipeline, so yeah, definitely check us out on Facebook under TNT The Monday Night Wars. Uh, if you guys would like to ask us a question, just make a comment on anything on there. Anything we're posting, throw a comment on there. Um, if you want to send us a question directly 
on Facebook. You can at us, put at the Monday Night Wars, and you can send us a question directly that way. Uh, so, and we will gladly read your questions on air. So, um, you know, hit us up. We got our first one this week. That was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you guys, and we will see you guys next week for next Monday Night Raw. Later. Bye.